Sometimes the fun begins when the paved road ends. Chevy Silverado 2500 HD is made to work hard and play hard on the road or off. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for details and experience life in HD. Blackhawk 720. Came to the left circle, pulls up, holds, fires, he scores! Number 400 for Patrick Kane! Take the Blackhawks to go. Blackhawk 720, your insider key to the Hawks. I mean, we got young guys all over our lineup, so if they're not going, we're going to have a tough time. It's time for Blackhawk 720, the only Hawks podcast worth listening to. Now, here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand, podcast royalty. Hi, everyone. It's time for another Blackhawk 720 podcast. Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host, joined, as always, by Joe Brand. And we have returned, ladies and gentlemen, to the podcasts, Pilsen podcast pad. We're still looking for the podcast. He has yet to make an appearance here. He's hiding on us a little bit. But uh, it, it's good to be back in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the podcast pad once again. And good to be joined by Joe once again. Missed you last week, but unfortunately, Joe... Uh, we're picking up here where I left off on the solo podcast last week, talking about how miserable of a time the Blackhawks have playing the National Predators. <laughs> and, of course, they had to play them again. It was actually supposed to be a two-game series this past weekend. The Sunday game, the Easter game, was rescheduled for April 19th. So that will turn into a three-game sequence against this Nashville Predators team, against whom the Blackhawks are now 0-3 and 2 this season. O being the operative word on Saturday as they were shut out, 3-0. And I guess we really shouldn't be surprised, especially with the fact that the Blackhawks in those five games this year have scored a total of six goals. The recent history beat goes on. I went through the numbers last week, and it was 36 goals in the last 20 meetings. Just simply add a game to that now after Saturday's game, and it's 36 goals over the last 21 they have to crack this mystery here pretty soon, especially with three games looming and and those difficulties helping allow Nashville to leapfrog them in the standings here. Absolutely. And the last time you and I were talking about the upcoming schedule, you know, we were talking about the Carolinas and the Tampa Bays and the Floridas left on the schedule, but it turns out uh, that this Nashville team still continues to be a bugaboo. I don't think you or I didn't really or counted Nashville out for being quality opponents for the Hawks coming up but you know you definitely felt like okay this is going to be the time where they figure things out and are able to put up a few more goals up on the board against Nashville but you know it wasn't even so much lack of effort this past Saturday it was uh good five on five play just special teams really didn't come out to play they got burned on a couple of special teams on the other end and uh just just not a good recipe and uh it, it's just so interesting to see this team having these types of struggles right now because it was it was the little things back in the beginning of the year that was really putting this trajectory of this team upwards and, and creating a lot of good vibes. And right now it's, it's struggles and it's uh, not being able to get just that contagious offensive flow. And that's what's kind of hurting them right now. And, and limiting them from creating any momentum to get them on a good run for towards this final good chunk of the season. Yeah, it's been a tale of two months for both Nashville and the Blackhawks. We knew it was going to be a, a daunting task looking at the Blackhawks' March schedule, whereas Nashville, 
they seem to to flip a switch the other way uh, during their month of March, and they're doing it even though they're without some key players. Most recently, Philip Forsberg, their leading scorer, Ryan Ellis has been out for a while. Um, you know, some some other glue guys like. Uh, uh, Richardson has been out of the lineup. I'm not a big fan of Matt Duchesne. I, I don't think his absence necessarily means a whole lot for Nashville because he hadn't been producing anyway. But with this combination of guys that they've had to settle with roster-wise, it has seemed to galvanize them and move them in the other direction. It's not just the Blackhawks they've been beaten. They've been beating some other teams as well. Uh, whereas the Hawks, they finished that six-game homestand coming off that one and five road trip, three and three. They managed to get a win against Carolina last Tuesday, the the two-one victory, and then uh, tables turned a little bit, and really a heartbreaking loss on Thursday to Carolina after they scratched and clawed and scrambled. Uh, the narrative that started in that first weekend set against Nashville was bad starts, and that continued both games there, both games against Carolina, but they still managed to eke out a victory and put themselves in position to win against Carolina. Uh, Dominic Kubelik had a golden chance of 40 seconds to go in that Thursday game to you know, put them in the lead 4-3, and then boom, ensuing face-off, the puck goes down the other way, and Carolina scores a, a goal in regulation. And that's the other thing that's really hurt the Blackhawks here during the month of March. It's one thing to lose games. It's another thing uh, not to push these games into extra time where you can at least salvage a point. They did a great job of that early in the season. That hasn't been helping here lately, and as a result, uh uh, that's part of them slipping into the fifth place spot with a couple of other teams still bearing down on their backside. Yeah, and I think that might be one of the biggest differences right now is you know you muscle out a point and you still walk away with somewhat of a win because you know at that time it was look at how much this team is over exceeding their expectations and, and doing all these right things when everyone thought that you know they weren't even going to come close in, in a good amount of these games. But the other thing about Saturday is. You know, prior to the game, Jeremy Colleton was saying, oh, you know, I, I hope we get off to a good start. I hope we continue that momentum all game long. And they kind of did. They did. Yeah. I mean, so it, it they accomplished the task at hand, but they came away with no points in it. I mean, I don't have to tell you about the shots on goal being swayed towards the Blackhawks' favor, but it's just that's the way that things are going to happen sometimes. And I, I guess if you're pulling out some positives, okay, at least the 5-on-5 five five was good enough. Um, but but the special teams is what's going to make the difference, and I think that's what was making the difference so much in the beginning of the year. And and right now it's kind of burning them. And when you're going to take on tough teams, and you know we talked about the upcoming schedule with with all the teams ahead of them, and now you know everyone else is fighting for that fourth spot in the playoffs. I mean Dallas is not some team that's going to roll over and die. I I think what they've won two out of their last six games, but I still feel like you know their slow start happened because of all the hiccups and the scheduling that they had. So that's going to be a big two games coming up for the Hawks, but really every game coming mm-hmm. up is going to be big. Yeah, 17 to go here. And uh, Jeremy Colleton's yeah, continuing to try, and uh, he knows he has a young team, and he's continuing to try and kind of prop them up, boost them up through mm-hmm. these difficult times, saying, yeah, we're right there. We're still right there, despite the difficult month that we have. We'll touch a little bit more on, on the special teams, because we're going to hear Duncan Keith kind of uh, primarily talk about those difficulties. But let's first hear from Dylan Strom after Saturday's uh, loss in Nashville. His line with Pew Suter and Matthias Yanmark was by far the best the Blackhawks were throwing out there. It was dangerous for the most part every time they were out there, but n- nevertheless, they were dealing with frustration at not being able to 
to get a puck past uh, UC Saros, who you know continues to be stellar in net. I think ten of the last eleven games, he has allowed two or fewer goals uh, in ten of his last eleven starts for Nashville, and really. Uh, wrestling away the number one job from uh, from Pekka Rene. But, you know, Strom's line was most effective. Nevertheless, they came up empty. And here's just a, a brief, uh, some brief thoughts from him, only about a minute and a half or so after Saturday's game, about the difficulties that the Blackhawks have had against Nashville this season, why it's so challenging to play that. But, um, you know, acknowledging here to start that there is still time, but the situation just becomes more and more urgent with each game that is knocked off the scale, the schedule in the calendar. We're trying to trying to break out of it. You know, obviously frustrating result, but uh, got to keep playing like that. And I think we'll be on the right side of things more often than not. We play a lot of a lot of teams right around the, our, our area, and uh, you know, a lot of points up for grabs. So, I mean, I think it's still there for us. Um, I think we're two points back of Nashville now. So, they have got to find a way. Two huge games against Dallas, and you know. If they beat both, they, I think if they beat us both times, and then they're in a playoff spot, or they're ahead of us. So, no. Every game is a division, divisional game, obviously, and it's a four-point game every time. So, um, no, each, each game's crucial, and I'm imagining it's going to come down to, to the wire. Hey, Dylan, you guys only have six goals against Nashville in the five games this year. What makes them so difficult, aside from maybe a hot goaltender, what makes them so difficult to play against? Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, obviously, they're the toughest team uh, we've had trouble scoring against um, this whole year. So whatever it is, um, I'm not exactly sure. I uh, just seem, can't seem to break through. They they kind of sit back in the neutral zone, and um, when we you know either don't move it up quick or we don't get it deep or whatever it may be, they feel like they're just kind of dumping it back down and then sitting back again and waiting for their chances. And obviously, it works for them against us. So. Um, no, I thought uh, we had we had some we had some good looks and some good O's on time, but obviously, you know, losing three nothing is uh, it's never fun, and um, got to find a way to to bounce out of this little streak. And congratulations to the new daddy, Dylan Strom, who's really actually been playing well since uh, he came back from paternity leave. That missed that one game uh, against the Nashville Predators. Uh, he comes back and. And scores right away in that first game against Carolina. Uh, I believe scored again. Uh, it was a factor in that second game against uh, against Carolina. And uh, that line that he had together, uh, as we mentioned, with Suter and Yanmark, really the best one the Hawks threw out there on Saturday. It remained together intact at practice as we record this uh, podcast following Monday's uh, workout over at Fifth Third Arena. But you talked about the special teams. Five on five was good. I think it was a little bit overplayed. The, the stats don't tell the entire story and the fact that Nashville, they were fine with giving up all those shots as long as they limited the dangerous ones in the middle of the ice because for the most part, that Strom line had a couple of opportunities close in, but a lot of stuff came from the perimeter. And Nashville's just fine doing that you know, because they protect that house. They protect that, that triangle right in front of the net. Uh, that's their MO, and I think that's what, what really causes the Blackhawks fits at not being able to, you know, get any penetration into into the middle of the ice. But uh, special teams wise, they're playing well in the first period. They're they're pretty much carrying the play for the first uh five, ten minutes, and then the Blackhawks take a bad penalty with Nikita Zadorov getting his elbow up. Uh, he knows better. Heat of the moment though, he takes a penalty and wouldn't you know it, Nashville ends up scoring on the power play. And when you have to play from behind against that team, especially when the Blackhawks have to play from behind against that team. It's especially difficult. Then second uh, second period, Hawks get another power play chance. 
Patrick Kane just didn't have a good game on Saturday. And, you know, he made kind of, I won't say a lazy or lackadaisical play, but a play that he took for granted that the puck was going to get to Adam Boquist with his drop pass. And um, Nashville sniffed that out, break away the other way, and it's a penalty shot, turns into a goal. And then a 2 nothing lead seems like hmm. you're climbing up Mount Everest against the Nashville Predators. <laughs> it's basically the way that it happened. I mean, you did a great job of just breaking down pretty much the the uh, important part of the game, the juicy part of the game. But, but Not the yeah. juicy sorrows. That's, juicy. that's true. That's true. Um, Sorry about that. <laughs> but, uh, but look, the, the Zadorov penalty, I, I get it. He's trying to you know back up his teammate at Patrick Kane where there was no penalty called right before that. Um, but but those those penalties have really been burning the Blackhawks lately, and it's it's a lot of times it's younger players, but oftentimes it's still a guy like Zadorov too. Um, but once that happens, and then you get a penalty, or I'm sorry, a power play, and then it turns out to be a penalty shot for Nashville, I get it. If you're a good hockey team, you can bounce back from de- being down by 1-0 or even 2-0. But just the sequence that had been happening. Um, like you mentioned, Nashville's okay with not giving up those dangerous shots. I think that's why it looked as if, and it, it was the fact that the suitor strom yanmark line was so productive because I think they had the best passing going on trying to catch Nashville off guard and putting on a quality chance. But, you know, unfortunately never none of them ended up hitting the back of the net. Um, but th- that's what made that line stand out so much differently than all the other ones because they were able to, you know, just put a little extra pressure on it. Um, but but yeah, if you're having trouble with special teams already throughout the game, and then you cough up a shorthanded goal, I get it being on a penalty shot. Um, that that's still just going to take a lot of wind out of your sails, and it's going to make the net seem even smaller and the goal even bigger. And I, I think that kind of happened on Saturday. But again, it's it can't be used as an excuse because this is a team that has shown that they can play up against some of the best teams, and and right now they're just having trouble finding that mojo again. Uh, the Blackhawks, who, who struggled so much over the previous, uh, well, 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 the numbers here, and I hate to pound people with numbers, but uh, the pre before the last six games. Uh, the Hawks had given up 17 power play goals over their previous 14. In the last six games, they have taken only 10 penalties. So if you're having trouble on the penalty kill, stay out of the box. Uh, and, and they were 9 for 9 over the previous five games. And in that sixth, the only power play chance Nashville got, they ended up bearing it. Also of note, I hate to make it sound like I'm pounding on the guy because he has done some some very good things. But Nikita Zadorov, of of those 10 penalties the Blackhawks have taken in the last six games, Zadorov has accounted for six of those penalties. He has, he has been sent to the penalty box six times in the last six games. And it's one thing to take a good penalty. It's another one to take an undisciplined one, especially against a team you struggle against, especially against one that has been so opportunistic lately and one that you have difficulty rallying against. And uh, th- that makes it even the more painful. So special teams was a lot of what Duncan Keith was addressing and talking about his frustration, the need to get back on track, and uh, especially about the, the frustration of what's been going on over the past month as the Blackhawks have been, you know, largely unable to answer the bell and elevate their play as other teams around the league start elevating and ramping up their play heading into the final 
month six weeks of the season. So here's Duncan Keith after that uh, 3 nothing loss in Nashville Saturday, uh, meaning the Hawks have dropped now 10 of their last 14 and 12 of their last 17. Obviously, it's tough. It's a, it was a huge game, and uh, these are the biggest games right now of the year, so uh, it's a tough loss, but... We did a lot of a lot of good things five on five. Uh, unfortunately, I think the special teams, you know, they scored a quick uh, power play goal in the first, and then we had a tough power play, and they ended up getting a, a, a penalty shot. So uh, every goal is huge, uh, especially this time of year. And and uh, you know, it's it'd be nice to to try to get that first one and then and carry some momentum. Is it frustrating knowing that maybe if you play like this, you're going to get two points more often than not, but to come away empty against Nashville that they move into sole possession for the fourth, does it make it harder to swallow? I think that uh, for the most part, it seemed like a pretty even game, but uh, we did get a lot of shots and a lot of chances, but it's still we still got to find a way to, to have more there and, and find a way to get one. So it's uh, it's obviously not good enough. Hey, Duncan, there was so much of an emphasis on that first period and starting out, right? It seemed like you guys did what you wanted to. Do you notice anything different this game than the last last few for you? I thought we were skating a little better than the previous ones and a little harder on pucks. Uh, was able to, we were able to create some, some more opportunities that way and some more, some more offensive uh, pressure. But, uh, you know, it just comes down to a few plays here and there at certain times in the game and and they were able to capitalize, and and uh, you know we couldn't uh, we couldn't get the get one against their penalty kill. What makes it so difficult to enter the enter the zone cleanly? We did a few you know a few times there, but we got to come with speed, and, and for the most part they're standing up and they're they're hanging back, and sometimes we got to dump it. And I felt like if we dumped it, we we didn't seem to get the pucks back like we like we have been in, in the past. So I think think that maybe hurt us a little bit uh, getting those pucks when we did have to dump it, and they seemed like they they broke it out pretty clean. So maybe that's an area we we could you know work on. But uh, you know it's it's tough. I mean every team kind of pressures hard, and sometimes it's not always going to be pretty. And they just got to find a way to get a get that one chance off of a shot or a scramble, and and then it's a different story. Was an emotional letdown to not get anything out of that five on three? Uh, well, it's a, it was a big, big chance there for us. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it was an emotional letdown. You, you, you can't let those type of things affect you, especially this time of year. So it, it's just going to, you know, they got a good penalty kill and we didn't get one, but uh, would have liked to, you know, get one there. So um, for sure, for sure, that was a, that was a tough one, but, you know, there's lots of times in the game where we just got to keep moving ahead and it's worry about the next shift and, and be better. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a fine line as, as we can see there with uh, winning and losing. And it's just down to those little plays. The penalty kill was so strong early in the year. And obviously, I'm sorry, the power play, sorry, the power play. Did, what, what are you seeing as the biggest issue? Is, I mean, is one of the big things just boil down to confidence? Just, just take one or two to get your confidence back? You've been around a long time. It's, I just feel like that might be one of the things that that's just you guys just need one or two to go in. Uh, yeah, like I said, it was. It's you know, it's it's not always going to be pretty. Sometimes it's going to be off a scramble. Maybe it's off of a dump where we where we dump it in and retrieve it, and it's just kind of a, a loose puck there, and and we make a quick play, and and it's it's you know in the back of the net for us. So uh, 
you know, I think we just got to stick with it on the power play and and the penalty kill. Uh, obviously, it uh, it hurt us overall. Uh, you know, I think the the power play has done a lot of good things for us. Same with the penalty kill, but this time of year, they're they're that much more important, and and the emphasis on on killing a penalty and and getting a goal on the power play is. Uh, uh, obviously huge. Well, there's one of the leaders, Duncan Keith, uh, who, who has expressed all season long how much fun he's having, how uh, the Blackhawks' success had not been as surprising to him as a lot of people on the outside thought. But now, perhaps, uh, you know, falling back a bit with what they've been through over the course of the last month. And w- one other thing here, Joe, is is that largely the offense you know, has quieted down a lot. That'll happen when your power play is not clicking nearly as much. They've gone 11 straight games now, the Blackhawks have, with three or fewer goals scored. They've scored three time, three goals four times, but not gotten above three goals. And, you know, uh, when your penalty kill is struggling, your power play isn't, you know, clicking at all, uh, that's kind of a dangerous com- combination. And uh, now the Blackhawks see a team that they have had good success against so far this season in in the Dallas Stars. And um, Dallas is, is winding up a six-game road trip here, uh, but they, on that on the six-game road trip, have proven they can beat the Predators in Nashville. They did that last Thursday. They have proven they can beat Carolina in Carolina. They did that on Saturday uh, before losing one nothing on Sunday. But uh, it's a team that the Hawks do have good feelings about based on their previous meetings this season. The two overtime victories in their first trip down to Dallas. And even though they got spanked by a 6-1 score in their second trip down there, they rebounded a couple of nights later and won it 4-2. So uh, hopefully that's that's a good sign. But it's also another one of those hungry teams just sitting three points behind the Blackhawks as they go into this two-game series Tuesday and Thursday. And again, I'll sound like a broken record, but I just feel like Dallas is going to be a team that's very eager to keep um, you know, the consistency of just playing games and not being interrupted by things and, and getting their momentum back. But like you said, hopefully the past success can can work in the Hawks' favor. Maybe coming home can help, that, uh, help out that aspect a little bit. But when it comes down to it, I just think it's Right now, it feels like the youth of this team is somewhat being exposed, where it's having, you know, the struggles with the special teams. Five on five is there because maybe they're, they're, you know, we all talked about at the beginning of the year how they have bought into the Jeremy Colleton system and how everyone is is on board and doing their share, and that part kind of stays consistent. But maybe when you go on a special team, either way, penalty or power play, you're pressing a little bit too much to try and work on some things, and and that's what ends up being the difference and um again maybe maybe it's just the youth of this team that's just playing into factor right now showing its true colors but i still think it is a team that can get back to the type of hockey he was playing at the beginning of the year yep and and uh, i mentioned a little bit earlier jeremy uh, continuing and i'm sure the whole coaching staff is continuing to try and prop these guys up saying you know we're, we're still right there believe in yourself this can still be done but you know uh, there are steps to be taken in order to get it done if, if, if they can get it done and, and uh, they're going to have to find a ways to play a lot more consistently and better and yes this is a young team and along those lines it was emphasized after the Blackhawks made a trade on uh, Friday 
uh, sending uh, minor leaguer Brad Morrison, who had been down in Rockford, down to Florida in exchange for Vinny Hinestroza, which uh, who Blackhawks and their fans are all familiar with. Vinny hadn't been playing uh, barely at all for Joe Quenville and the Florida Panthers down there after you know they made numerous offseason moves, his signing or acquisition among them. But Vinny just wasn't getting any playing time, so he gets an opportunity to come back home, but it has been emphasized by Jeremy and the entire coaching staff they are still going to ride out these players. This is an indication ahead of next Monday's trade deadline that they're going to go out and pick up some veteran players or more experienced players in order to uh, kind of uh, push this playoff bid forward. They still intend on doing it by using all these young guys and letting them experience that for the first time. Uh, nevertheless, Vinny Hinestroza is a guy who uh, is hungry. He uh, he spent his 27th birthday on Saturday driving 19 hours from suburban Miami all the way up back to Chicago in order to uh, shorten the uh, the uh, the COVID uh, um, quarantine situation. And he was out there on the ice on Monday uh, on the practice rink and, and being very active and involved in some lines we're all probably likely to see on Tuesday when the Blackhawks are back at it. And um, is Vinny Hinestrosa going to be a game changer? Is he going to you know push this team over the top? No, but... I think it's been emphasized, too, that this is a guy wants to play, has played for Jeremy and in his system before over at Rockford uh, during that deep playoff run a couple of years ago uh, with the Ice Hogs. I kind of split time between the Blackhawks and Rockford in that 2017-18 season. And um, he, uh, he's, he's a guy who will always play hard, give you some speed in the lineup, can move him up and down. Not necessarily going to be a game changer, but one who can push some of these younger players here to perhaps find an extra gear, an extra level down the stretch. It's just kind of a win-win. It it works out for him, it works out for the Hawks, and it kind of works out for Florida, too. He'll be a free agent after this season, too. Yeah, and I mean, if if fans want to buy into whether or not this is is the trade deadline push or or this is the only move they'll make to, to show that they're not going for an extra push at the trade deadline... I think more than anything, it's just it was an opportunity to pick up a player that could help out the team right now. And I think he can just hopefully provide some more stability to, what was he practicing on the second line today at practice? So, you know, provide a little bit more stability to those higher lines of two and three, and then you're not shuffling guys all the way from the fourth to the second line as the season progresses. So, I mean, just a little bit more stability might be able to help out. Um, I guess it creates a little bit more competition with some of the other guys down in the fourth line and, you know, rather than just be rotating out uh, here and there. And, uh, I mean, hey, it looks like Jeremy Colleton likes him. I I liked his message uh, to him today, though, basically. And I know we'll hear from Vinny, but basically, you know, I, I know what you can bring to the table. I'm not putting too much pressure on you, but I'm not guaranteeing you anything either. I mean, this is still a, a spot where he's got to prove himself, and I, I think that could be good for this Blackhawks team. A new kid in town just trying to uh, work his way into some playing time, and, and like I said, hopefully just provide a little bit more stability in the middle lines to uh, to help out the offense a little more. Yeah, he was on a line working uh, at Monday's practice uh, uh, on one wing, Dominic Kubalik on the other with Philip Kershev, a guy who you know, has been quiet a little bit lately. So, you know, there, there are different ways to push buttons and spur guys on. And, uh, you know, you're, you're in a situation where you're mixing and matching and trying to find some things that work, just like the Strom and, and Suter and, and Yanmark line did uh, down in Nashville. You hope that can stabilize things while, 
you know, Kane and, and Doc and, and Debrinkit were all working together once again Monday as they did on Saturday as well. But let's hear from Vinny, who is a very happy man. Maybe not happy about driving 19 hours right. with his two dogs and waiting for his uh, wife and uh, infant son. He became a new dad. Speaking of Dylan Strom, uh, here's another new dad on the roster. Uh, he His son, Vincent, was uh, just born back on uh, February 9th. So they will join him in Chicago a little bit later and have to uh, seal themselves off for a bit with Vinny once they, they do arrive uh, via uh, airfare, airlines, I should say, a little bit later on in the week. But let's uh, hear from Vinny, uh, Vinny Hinestroza as he is once again a, a Blackhawk and um, just basically beginning here talking about his reaction when he heard the news. He is becoming uh, head back to Chicago once again. It's obviously great to be back. Um, it's nice when you could uh, just drive the rink and you know where you're going, um, walk in the rink and see some familiar faces. And um, I'm just super excited to be here. Uh, super excited. They're giving me this opportunity. Um, obviously, uh, things didn't go how I wanted in Florida, but uh, I know I have a lot, a lot of game left in me and I'm, I'm excited to be here and uh, play my game and, and do whatever I can for this team. What was the drive like here? The drive was tough, uh, but it was, it was worth it. Um, 19 hours from Fort Lauderdale. So, uh, it was just me and uh, our two dogs, um, my fiance and our two-month-old are, are flying back later this week. And then I think she has a, a little bit of a quarantine and then we can meet back up. But um, yeah, the drive, uh, it was long during it. The last five hours were tough, but uh, obviously it's great coming home to my family. Great coming home to play here and I'm just super excited. You obviously couldn't get your number back. Was there any specific reason behind 28? No, actually, uh, I asked for 29 because um, uh, my son was born February 9th, so I thought it'd be pretty cool. Um, but obviously, coming late to a team um, like this, there's not too many numbers available, especially this year with uh, how many guys are on the roster. So um, I like number 28, and um, I don't think it really matters a lot what's on the back of your jersey. So um, it's not really going to change my game or anything. So whatever they, they have for me, I'm uh, happy to have. Vinny, obviously, you have a, a long history here. Uh, have you connected with uh, a lot of people emotionally? How do you feel about you know coming back to a lot of your old haunts? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's great. Uh, amount of love and uh, text I got uh, after the trade was exciting, and I think a lot of people are just as excited um, as I am to be back here. And um, it's it's a great opportunity, and that's uh, that's the way I look at it. Um, there's so many teams in the NHL that. Uh, I could have been traded to and it was here and um, these guys know what I can bring and uh, they thought I could help the team. So um, they're putting their faith in me. So I'm just going to come uh, work hard every day and um, prove them right and, and show them that I should be here and um, see what happens from there. Now in Arizona, it seemed like uh, your career was on the up trajectory. Can you kind of take us through that season? And then, you know, what do you think a life Florida didn't work out? Yeah, I think, um, you always have ups and downs in, in your career. And the way I look at it is um, you just got to work hard every day. You know, um, my first year in Arizona there, um, things were just going well. And um, I was getting a lot of opportunities. And second year, um, felt pretty good. I was kind of in a different role, more defensive, and um, was happy doing that. Um, you know, really rounded my game. Um, I know I could have produced more more than I, I did, but, uh, you know, it's sometimes how it goes. And, uh, you just got to look forward and, and work hard every day. So um, no looking back, just just excited to be here and come to the rink every day. Who are some of the guys on the team that first reached out to you, you know, probably via text? Can you just run some of that down for us and maybe what they said? Yeah, I think the first uh, 
think Brinksy texted me first and just said, uh, welcome home. And then, um, Murph, um, a bunch of guys reached out, but, uh, it's hard to remember every guy. Cause, uh, so many people, some from here reached out as well. So I was kind of getting those texts as I was driving. Um, I had to answer a bunch yesterday when I got home. So a lot of the guys reached out and it's good. Uh, it's good when you're, when you're driving home and you see that welcome back and you know, you're coming to a locker room that, uh, people already know you and it's, uh, obviously a lot of new guys, but, uh, met them all today and they seem great and, um, excited. Can you just give us the specifics of how you found out about the trade and maybe the first thought that went through your head when, when the news broke to you? Yeah, obviously it's always a possibility. And, uh, the way the season was going for me, uh, in Florida, I, I figured it was a really big possibility that I was going to be moved. And, um, when I heard it was Chicago, it was kind of a shocker. Um, like I was here before and there's 30 something other teams. Uh, how do I end up going home again? So, um, I was really happy. I know, uh, my mom and my fiance's mom were probably the happiest people in the world. Uh, now they'll be able to see the baby, uh, whenever they want. And, um, that'll be nice. So, um, it's a great fit, but, uh, the part I'm most happy about is obviously the hockey and, um, I'm just excited to, to wear this logo again. Have you had conversations with the coaching staff and, and what kind of role they see you playing on this team? Uh, I talked to Jeremy on the phone, um, before, um, I got here when I was, I was driving down when I first got traded and, um, he just told me he liked me a lot when he had me there in Rockford and, um, he wouldn't have brought me here if he didn't think I could help the team, but also he's not promising me anything. Um, I've never wanted a handout and that's not something I'm looking for. I just want a good opportunity, a fair chance. And I think uh, with my hard work and the way I play, I think I'll be able to earn some time and um, whatever I could do to help this team win. Obviously um, there's about a month left in the season. Um, a lot of guys have been here all year. So um, just whatever I could do uh, to help out and, uh, hopefully get more um, opportunities as, as we go along. Well, what did you learn when you're, when you were playing against the Blackhawks when you were in Florida about their game? Yeah, I think it's just uh, super fast on the transition. I think um, obviously the D can move the puck up the ice and uh, there's so many skilled forwards out there. So I think uh, it was a fun team to play against, obviously uh, being from here, you kind of see in the news what's going on and stuff. And I followed them a little bit and just seemed to be buzzing most of the year, but uh, just try to, See what happens here. Just wanted to uh, find out. You know, I know you're a team player, but with the number situation down in Florida, um, was there any pursuit by yourself in talking to Bill Zito about uh, perhaps looking for uh, for somewhere else to go, or were you just uh, planning on on riding it out? Even though I'm sure you weren't getting the playing time you wanted. Yeah, um, obviously you always want to play, and um, every day you're not playing is another opportunity you're missing to. Uh, get better and um, secure a job for yourself and your family. So um, I think him and my agent had uh, some of those talks um, about my opportunities there and if if it's going to improve and um, what he thinks is going to happen. So uh, I'm not really sure what was talked about on their side, but uh, obviously just want to get this opportunity. And I'm happy to be playing, hopefully. So we'll see what Vinny can bring to the table here. He uh, gets another opportunity here in Chicago and uh, hopefully, you know, uh, can be an asset to the Blackhawks down the stretch, as we said. Uh, a little silly to think he's going to be a difference maker. Hey, if he happens to be, great. Uh, stranger things have happened. But uh, another guy who can just uh, push this lineup um, to uh, have some of the individuals try and reach a different level here down the stretch. So uh, welcome back, Vinny. And uh, it's been a welcome back for about a week now and 
when we haven't had a chance to talk, Joe and myself, on the podcast about the return of Kirby Doc two weekends ago. So uh, as we record here on Monday afternoon, five games under his belt. He has himself, uh, what, three assists, I believe, so far in those five games. And um, after that initial game two Saturdays ago against the Predators, when he was clearly the best Blackhawk on the ice, unfortunately, the guy making his season debut, he was the most energetic against Nashville. And as I look to clarify here, it is two assists through five games. Um, Kirby's been uh, working his way back, and some alarms, some bells and whistles were were ignited, I guess, with the fact that when Kirby was talking to the media after Monday's practice, he mentioned there is still some pain and discomfort in that wrist, um, but he's working his way through it. He's working his way through some trust and confidence and how much he can unleash his shot. But nevertheless, he is out there and uh, himself and Jeremy Carlton afterwards, when questioned about that pain and discomfort and whether it's a good idea to have him out there, uh, very clear to say he has been medically cleared. This was this was to be expected as part of the recovery process, and that the best way to kind of speed things along here, uh, even if he is medically cleared, is to throw him out there, and it would probably um, strengthen that wrist even more as he goes along, even though you know it's not feeling so great or his confidence level might not be as great as he wants it to be you know five games in here but um you know uh, they continues to run it out there and and for the most part he hasn't looked that affected by it but he was kind of coming clean with all us reporters when he was asked how he felt his game has been going the first five games well look at Kirby Doc probably has to be the most important Blackhawks player for the future of this team and this organization so i don't think they're just going to willy-nilly approve him to get back on the ice and continue playing if he's not absolutely ready. I have full-on trust in the Blackhawks medical staff that they are not allowing that to happen. The guy's not been playing for quite some time, so I understand if even he has a little bit of rust to shake off. But like you said, his first game back, he showed no signs of slowing down whatsoever. We know what type of work ethic he has with him uh getting into the NHL a little bit earlier than scheduled, getting into the playoff bubble and, and using all that time to, to work towards just being a better player. Again, his, his work ethic uh, is maybe one of the best attributes of him being an athlete. So I, I'm not taking too much into it. Um, I, I like that he's full-on candid, candid and honest with everything that's going on. I mean, I, I think it's important to... You know, not hide the fact that, yeah, maybe he is dealing with some lingering issues, but it's still to the point where the medical staff says that's okay, and, and Jeremy Colleton says the same, too. So, yeah, I think just maybe a little bit too much overreaction, so I'm glad they just kind of buried the hatchet right away um, or nipped it in the bud. I, I guess they didn't have anything to, to fix over with all this. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it's it's great to see him back and it's great to see him doing what he's doing and and I'm okay if that it's going to be a couple of games maybe if for his first goal that that's fine by me as long as him on the ice is the best thing for his career moving forward I'm okay with it yeah and and it was kind of ironic that his injury happened on a freak collision uh, in that exhibition at the World Juniors. And then Saturday down in Nashville, we saw him involved in another freak colli- a collision with Victor Arvidsson, in which Arvidsson was the guy who took the brunt of it. I, I haven't gone out of my way to, to 
look out as to whether I'm sure Nashville didn't practice on Sunday, and I haven't checked uh, to see uh, what their practice situation, whether Arvidsson's out there again on Monday, but uh, he had to be helped out on the ice. Things like this are going to happen, you know, in the NHL. Uh, you know, uh, here he's been involved in a couple free collisions. One burns him, the other, you know, burns the other guy who was involved in it. And, you know, it was just a matter of Kirby trying to come off the ice. So, uh, moving forward, uh, you know, w- with the Blackhawks medical staff being as it is, um, uh, I'm sure any team would have given him the same type of clearance. Um, medically with where he was. I don't think that would have changed if he was a member of the Predators or a member of the Los Angeles Kings. So the Blackhawks medical staff uh, doing what they think is the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, eventually as he works his way through it, it may be another week or two before he feels 100%. But those uh, kinks will uh, will certainly work out. So uh, we're going to, on that note, we'll wrap up this edition of the Blackhawks 720 podcast. And some stuff coming up here. Not only two games against Dallas, but two games coming up next Next week against Columbus. And the first one will take place on uh, Saturday against another team that's trying to chase them down the standings. Then another one uh, to close out that two-game set will be on Monday. And that is also trade deadline day in the NHL. So what do you say we come back at you with another podcast on Tuesday the 13th once the trade deadline smoke is cleared? We'll have four games under our belts to uh, review at that point. And hopefully the Blackhawks can take care of business against a Two of the two of the teams behind them, and then uh, after after that two game set against Columbus, they go to Detroit to play, face another team below them in the standing. So uh, let's see if the Blackhawks can get themselves uh, back on track here after uh, this rough patch, and uh, hopefully they uh, they follow Newt Colleton's uh, directive that they're still in this thing and there's still plenty of time to get back in it. I'm kind of bummed that they're playing on the trade deadline. I really enjoyed our uh, podcast and hanging out in the war room with you last year when... uh, (laughs) We were waiting and waiting and watching Robin Leonard tweets. Yes, yes. And then all of a sudden, yeah, trade deadline's over. Oh, Robin Leonard's still a Blackhawk. Wait a minute. No, he's not. (laughs) That that was a fun day. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll we'll have to uh, just piece it all together after a game and, and a trade deadline on the Tuesday. But but it'll be good. Are we doing predictions this round again, too? Or nah, no, nah. We don't want to touch that. No, okay. no. Uh, That's fair. Well, unless unless you unless you feel the feel the need. Here I don't against, know. Uh, I, I, two I, against Dallas. Only, two at Columbus. Only because the last time we did, I kind of gave them. You kind of nailed mojo. it. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I you want to be better than one, one, and one, or like a plus one game here. So right. So why don't we go? I don't <laughs> okay. know. Okay. I kind of. I kind of. He's going for it, I ladies kinda, and gentlemen. <laughs> Kind of like their chances against Dallas. So let's say, let's say they take three points at least from Dallas in the two games. Okay. And then let's say they take you go three and three on the yeah, four games. Yeah, I, I was gonna. Yeah, that's the safe route. I was gonna try to be bold and say <laughs> seven total, but but yeah, let's go. Let's go three with the two series. Three well, each with two series. This is the stretch, as Troy pointed out in the post game show the other day. Um, where they have to get they have to get right if they're going to stay in this thing because three teams behind them in the standings over six games and then you see Nashville again three in a row after that um, and, and and following that those three against Nashville and that you have six games against Tampa Florida and Carolina so these next six games are a time to get right to build your game to build your confidence um that is your sequence here over the course of the next month before the season wraps up here um after the three against nashville one at home versus tampa two at home versus florida and then you go to carolina for three in a row 
before uh, you come home and face Dallas back-to-back to close the regular season. So uh, time for the Blackhawks to get things together. We'll see if they can do that over the course of the next week. And ahead of our next uh, podcast, next Tuesday, the 13th, following the trade deadline and the four games against Dallas and uh, Columbus. So we want to end uh, this edition of the Blackhawks 720 podcast by talking about uh, one of the originators of this podcast, what was known as Blackhawks Crazy, and that is Mike Jacobson, who uh, did the podcast with our old buddy Scott King back in the day. Uh, they're the ones who started up uh, just this season. Uh, we changed uh, the name of it to Blackhawks 720 to kind of align it with WGN Radio. And, and Blackhawks Crazy is Scott's thing after all. And, uh, you know, since Scott had, had switched jobs um, and... Uh, we wanted to uh, kind of respectfully change the name, even though uh, you know uh, the Blackhawks Crazy podcast and and the uh, blog that he wrote was simply his. But Mike Jacobson was uh, the guy that Scott worked with, and we got the sad news actually shortly after I recorded last Monday's podcast that Mike had passed away uh, at a very young age, and uh, we wanted to pass along our condolences and our sympathies to Mike's family and friends. Uh, and of course to to Scott as well. And when Scott learned of this, I, I gave him uh, the opportunity um, to write a little something that we could pass along on this podcast. To for those listeners who have decided to stick along with it, with with the rename, and uh, with myself and with Joe. For those of you who remember Mike, Scott wanted to pass this message along. I was so incredibly sad to hear of Mike's passing. Without Mike Jacobson. There wouldn't have been a Blackhawks Crazy podcast. Mike was doing so much for WGN on a daily basis when he worked at the station. They only got a few hours of sleep a night, but still took on launching the podcast in October of 2015, producing and co-hosting every episode with nothing but a positive attitude and the same beaten-up White Sox hat he wore perhaps since he was an infant. Working for a big outlet like WGN Radio and having minimal studio experience gave me a lot of anxiety early on, but Mike made it so easy on me and talked me down with his silky pipes. He was so kind and welcoming to all of our guests, whether they were former Hawks players or friends of mine that covered the team, and I know he was the same way with everyone else he worked with. Mike also loved our listeners and plugging fan questions into our episodes. We both got a huge kick out of it when it would be the same people like Hall of Fame listener Paul Berry submitting questions every week. Those who knew him are better off because of it. I'm going to miss catching up with Mike and reminiscing about the show dearly. Make sure to let the special people in your life know what they bring to the table. Thoughts, prayers, and condolences to Mike's family, friends, former colleagues, and fans. That from the Blackhawks Crazy co-founder and uh, our dear friend, Scott King. And I did not have a chance to get to know Mike or ever meet him. Uh, and Joe, I know you had an opportunity to to know and meet Mike along the way, and um, just uh, unfortunate that uh, a life that had uh, so much road ahead of it uh, has been cut short. And uh, uh, even though I don't know Mike or or his family, I, I do obviously know some of his friends. I want to send my uh, deepest console, condolences to everyone who knew him well. Just an absolute brutal loss. Uh, a positive, upbeat guy that only wanted to work hard and only wanted to succeed at his job and only wanted to make the station better, and I think that was one of his best attributes. Uh, I met Mike when you know WGN launched the game, the sports station, 87.7 FM, 
and uh, he was great. He was he was instantly a friendly person. Um, he had quite the resume already. He was you know working at Yahoo. He was working in L.A. He worked with Mark Carmen, and uh, he was he was immediately a guy that you just like to talk about the business with and, and kind of pick his brain and. He was never a guy that was above you. He was always a guy that just wanted to help out. And um, we got kind of close when we were producing Blackhawks games together because he was working at the game. And then when the game shut down, you know, Dave Ennett made an effort to keep Mike around and he did a great job of it. And, you know, there were a couple late nights where I was doing Blackhawks games with him and then he ended up getting the morning show gig. So those sleepless nights that Scott King was talking about, I I totally get because I, I definitely saw him. You know, working a, a 7.30 p.m. puck drop and then having to be at the morning show the next day. Oh, yeah. um, but he just loved radio. He really did. And uh, when he moved on from WGN, we somewhat kept in touch, and he bounced around some other radio jobs. And uh, he was just always a guy that I, I always wanted to keep in touch with because, again, just his bubbly personality and uh, his knowledge for the industry. And, uh, you know, the industry lost a, a real good person, a real good personality, and a great voice, as everyone always said. But um, the guy behind the voice was really something. So, yeah, my my deepest condolences go out to him and his family and, and everyone that he touched in his life because there were there were very many. And I'm, I'm honored to be part of this podcast, which is, you know, kind of... Uh, and a, a, Baptized by Mike and Scott. Thank you, you know? thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so, something that Mike would have been able to say, but not me. Yeah, but no. And it sounds like uh, uh, I'm the lesser for it for not having known known the guy. It sounds like uh, from everybody I talk to, uh, just a, a quality quality person and a hard worker and uh, a Chicago type guy that yes, everyone very, everyone very. would uh, really be uh, able to relate to. So once again. We express our uh, our condolences and our sympathies to Mike's friends and family, and we thank him for and Scott for starting up starting up this podcast and uh, allowing us to uh, be able to continue it, albeit under a different title and uh, with different uh, different people. Um, myself and, and Joe involved right now, and uh, uh, we're the lucky ones for it. So once again. Uh, just want to express uh, our, our, our deepest feelings for Mike and his family and his friends. With that, we uh, wrap up this edition of the Blackhawks 720 podcast. We also want to thank our producers, Curtis Koch and Ernie Scatton, and to all of you for listening. Again, we'll come at you next Tuesday following the trade deadline, following the Blackhawks four games, two against Dallas and two against Columbus. Enjoy your week, everyone.